What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Gadget Reason Radio here on Anchor FM. As always, my name is Sean. I'm your host, and happy Friday. There are quite a few spicy little stories going around the uh, tech world on the interwebs today. So let's go ahead and jump right in with your tech download for today, August 11th, 2017. So it looks like Consumer Reports is pulling Microsoft Surface's recommendation, citing high breakage rates. This is being reported by multiple media news outlets, including this one from TechCrunch. The Microsoft Surface line has been a huge hit for Microsoft in recent years, with it being a large part of the reason for the resurgence in interest in Microsoft products. The Surface line of laptops and tablets has gone a long way towards showing people that Microsoft products can compete with Apple in terms of quality, and along with that quality has come the higher premium price tag. So obviously a report of these devices not being able to maintain their stability and durability over a long period of time obviously is going to do some damage to the reputation that Microsoft is trying to build. Unfortunately, a new survey conducted by Consumer Reports is showing that the devices are proving to be much more unreliable than a lot of their competition, with the results being so bad that Consumer Reports actually revoked its recommendation of the products. Consumer Reports conducted a survey of 90,000 tablet and PC owners, and it showed that about 25% of Surface owners report breakage or other problems with the device within two years. That's significantly higher than the ones reported by Apple and Samsung at about 10%, with Toshiba and Dell not being too far behind with 24% and 22% respectively. So while there were other manufacturers that seemed to be pretty high on the breakage list as well, those products are not being sold at the same high premium price that Microsoft is using to market the Surface Pro line of products. With the idea of that higher price point being that they're on par with the build quality of products like Apple's MacBook Pro series. As you might expect, Microsoft's response was one of disagreement with the report, stating that Microsoft's real-world return and support rates for the past models differ significantly from what Consumer Reports is reporting. They went on to say that while we do respect consumer reports, we don't believe these findings accurately reflect Surface owners' true experiences or capture the performance and reliability improvements we've made with every Surface generation. So I have to say I owned the Surface Pro 1 and the Surface Pro 3 and 4, and I really did not have any issues with mine. I thought the build quality was actually fantastic. The magnesium body of the Surface Pro 3 in particular, along with its unique hinge design, I thought was really well done. And the Surface Pro keyboard itself was actually really nice as well. So I didn't personally have any problems. So I do find this report a little bit surprising, but obviously Consumer Reports has a pretty good track record. So I guess what I'd like to know from you guys is, have you guys had any Surface Pro products that have had similar problems to what Consumer Reports is reporting, or have your experiences been generally good like mine? Leave me a comment or call in and let me know. It looks like Nintendo is facing accusations of a patent infringement for their Joy-Con controllers for the Nintendo Switch. GameVice, makers of the relatively unsuccessful and pretty irrelevant at this point WikiPad device, are claiming that the Joy-Cons infringe on patents that they've had originally designed to be used with their WikiPad 7 tablet and similar other tablet peripherals. So I did some of my own research beyond the initial article that I read to see what kind of similarities there might actually be between the Wikipad 7 controllers and the Joy-Cons for the Nintendo Switch. And I have to say that ultimately I agree with a lot of the same sentiments that were voiced by the article that I read in Mashable. And there are some pretty big issues with this patent infringement claim. The biggest issue is that the patent, which was filed in 2015 by GameVice, claims a combination computing device and game controller with a flexible bridge design. 
Now, obviously, the Joy-Cons don't have any type of flexible bridge design involved, but GameVice is claiming that the Nintendo Switch itself is actually the bridge here. And I feel like that's a pretty big reach because the Nintendo Switch itself is actually a completely separate device, and in this case happens to be the actual console itself, with the Joy-Cons just being two separate controllers that communicate through wireless communications. So there's no flexible bridge here, and it seems to me that GameVice is really just kind of being a patent troll at this point, probably due to the fact that their company has not done so well after the launch of the Wikipad 7. If you go back and look at reviews for the Wikipad products, the best you can say is that they did receive some praise for their innovative design, but mostly fell short due to low quality standards and to the Tegra 3 processors being used being last gen by the time they were actually released due to the numerous delays in actually bringing this product to fruition. I'll leave a link here to the Mashable article if you guys want to check it out, but I'd love to know what your thoughts are. Do you think that GameVice is just being a patent troll and digging for gold here, or do you think Nintendo actually has a real problem on their hands? Leave a comment or call in and let me know. It looks like the new Galaxy Note 8 will be probably as powerful as you thought it might be. A new Geekbench listing has been found online showing a new Samsung model phone with an SM-950F model number shows a phone with an 8-core processor clocked at 1.7GHz and 6GB of RAM. Not too surprising is that it shows the Note 8 will be running Android 7.11 out of the box. As far as the benchmark performance goes, the Note 8 delivers scores that are pretty much in line with the Galaxy S8. Single-core performance shows a score of 1,984, with the multi-score coming in at 6,116. While these scores are outstanding and certainly nothing to sneeze at, it is worth mentioning that they can't even come close to what the new iPads are showing on similar Geekbench scores. So if we can assume that the new iPhone 8 is going to be using a similar processor as to what's found in the latest round of iPads, then it would be reasonable to expect that the iPhone 8 will beat both the Samsung Galaxy S8 and Note 8 in similar Geekbench scores. Now if you guys know me, you know I don't put a lot of stock in benchmarks, and the reality is, is that all of these modern smartphones are far faster than they need to be at this point anyway. It's been reported that Samsung will be unveiling the Galaxy Note 8 on August 23rd in an event in New York City, while Apple probably won't unveil the iPhone 8 until sometime in mid-September. The hype around these two phones is reaching epic proportions, and it's definitely going to be interesting to see which one comes out on top in terms of sales performance. I'd love for you guys to call in and let me know what your thoughts are on the Galaxy Note 8 and if you'll be picking one of those up, or if you're going to hold out for the new iPhone. Give me a call in and let me know. The new video doorbell Model 2 from Ring is getting pretty high praise from sites like The Verge and TechCrunch. Ring has been steadily releasing new products in recent months, but this is the first time it's reimagining its original product, the Ring Video Doorbell. For those of you that are not familiar, the Ring Doorbell is a Wi-Fi enabled video recording security type doorbell that you can easily install in place of where your normal doorbell might go. Now, if you happen to live in a house that wasn't pre-wired for a doorbell or doesn't have wiring in place to power it, the Ring Video Doorbell series can all be powered by battery. One of the most significant changes to the Ring Video Doorbell 2 is that these batteries are now removable and replaceable. These batteries are about the same size as a typical DSLR battery and can be removed without having to physically remove the entire doorbell from the wall. Extra batteries will be sold for about $20 and one battery should last anywhere from 6 to 12 months or up to about a thousand notification events. The other notable upgrade from the previous version is that it now records video at 1080p as opposed to the previous model which recorded video at 720p. Most reviews are reporting that color and detail are greatly improved, as is the overall smoothness of video footage and night vision capture quality as well. 
Now you guys know I'm a huge fan of smart home accessories. Now I skipped the first video doorbell because I lived in an apartment at the time and I was concerned about leaving this thing stuck out on the outside of my wall and someone swiping it as they ran by or just the fact that I would have to take it off the wall each time I needed to charge the batteries. So the fact that they've upgraded this one to having a removable rechargeable battery is definitely something that might make me take a second look at the Ring video doorbell. I also like the fact that it can be hardwired and permanently put in place similar to a traditional doorbell if that is a situation that I find myself in in the future. For me, adding a smart doorbell that has a video recording feature could be a great addition to my August smart lock. The way I envision this working would be if someone were to ring my doorbell, I can quickly take a look at my phone and see who it is. And if it's somebody that I choose to let in, I can unlock my front door right from my phone. And then as they leave, I can lock the door behind them. This makes for some pretty nice convenience, especially for friends and family if they're coming over to take care of your house when you're away or for when you receive deliveries when you're not home. Ring's cloud-based video recording storage service will cost you an additional $3 a month or $30 a year. So if you're considering buying the Video Doorbell 2, definitely keep that in mind as well. The Video Doorbell 2 is on sale now for $199 and you can get it at all the usual places like Amazon, Home Depot, or Best Buy. So how many of you out there will be running out to upgrade your doorbell to something that can record and store video? Let me know. If you're a Miami Heat fan planning to attend a game this season, you best be bringing your cell phone with you. The Miami Heat announced earlier this week that it was becoming the first NBA team with mobile-only ticketing, meaning they will no longer give out paper tickets under any circumstances. The team told ESPN that it found that about one in three people used mobile tickets to get into last season's games. The team said that adopting a mobile-only ticketing system is all about improving the fan experience at American Airlines Arena. Mobile entry will make getting into the arena seamless, simple, and fast while reducing our carbon footprint. I wonder if there's any other good reason why teams might want to switch to mobile-only ticketing services. Do you think maybe it has anything to do with data capture or finding out more about their fans? Hmm. I mean, call me crazy, maybe I'm a cynic, I don't know. But the team went on to say that it will also cut down on the risk when it comes to lost, stolen, or counterfeit tickets. So I guess that's a plus two. But I don't know, let me know what you guys think about uh, teams switching to only mobile ticketing services. And do you think that it's gonna be something that works to help make things a little bit more fast and seamless when it comes to getting into the arenas? Let me know. that's going to do it for another tech download here on gadget reason radio on anchor fm thanks again to everybody tuning in favorite in the station giving me those hand clap applause and for everybody who subscribed to the podcast as well i appreciate it and i hope to continue to keep bringing you guys content you enjoy and appreciate so as always there'll be no tech downloads for saturday and sunday but i will be bringing you guys some other interesting tech related stories and content over the weekend so be sure to check back to anchor fm or the podcast for those as well Otherwise, everybody have a great weekend and I will talk to you soon. Bye.